0: Coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast.
1: What I feel like works best for me, even with, you know, without really changing patterns or anything like that, is I like to try and speed the fly up, make them commit more to it. That seems to work for me to get them to really commit to it more than just keep playing with it. I'll, you know, I'll make a cast up, maybe put a little more belly in it, put a little more speed in it, run it through there. Uh, where I think they are a little faster than I had been. And usually for me, that'll get the job done.
0: That was Dan Probanic on his comeback strategy to hook up when you have a player. Lake Erie, Skagit Heads, and Steelhead Alley today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the show one super easy way to uh, support this show is to share an episode out with somebody you'd love and know Uh, you can do that right now all apps have a share button Uh, click that share button and uh, send a text or email and we appreciate the support if you had a chance to uh, share out this week dan Probanic is here today to take us into chagrin river outfitters and the uh, steelhead alley area and some fishing tips and tricks. We discover uh, and find out which strains of steelhead uh, they're hitting up there in that part of Lake Erie. We get his take on single hand versus two handed rods and spay. And we also dig into which other species he's focusing on this year around his area. Dan and his team are a big reason our last trip to Ohio was so successful. So let's find out exactly how they work the magic. Here we go. Dan Probanic from Chagrin River Outfitters.com.
1: How you doing, Dan? I'm doing great, Dave. How are you?
0: Good, good. Thanks for uh, putting this together today. We um, we saw you at the uh, at our Steelhead School, right? With Jeff Liskey. This was back in uh, December, and you came in. Uh, we had a great crew. the The people that were on that event, you know, just loved it. I think uh, I think everybody's blown away by the, you know, you guys and the guiding and everything. So I think we're going to talk about that. This program you put together. And then everything steelhead, everything Lake Erie, maybe even jump into a little New York, wherever you guys cover. But before we get there, talk about how you first got into fly fishing. Then we'll take it into Chagrin.
1: I have a pretty large family. I, I have uh, nine brothers uh, Wow, total. So there's 10 boys Amazing. and one sister. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, I'm one of them, the second to youngest. And all my older brothers were into the outdoors, fishing, hunting, et cetera. Um, and they, they got into fly fishing when um, when I was much younger. And they eventually got me into it. So I started, uh, you know, they took me with, with them wherever they went, you know, whether they were going to hunt and fish, fishing trips, things like that, which I'm very grateful for. But when they got into fly fishing, you know, I was around 12, 13 and they pretty much just stuck a, a fly rod in my hand and said, this is the way we're, we're going to trout fish from now on. And I said, well, okay, <laughs>
0: sounds good. Nice. And where was it? where did you grow up?
1: So I grew up, uh you know, I was born in Pittsburgh and I grew up and, um, but my family moved to Sandusky over here in, on the shores of Lake Erie in Ohio when I was about four or five. So I, I grew up there, but some of my older brothers at the time were because there's such a, so many of us in such an age gap, little over 20 years, uh, were already in college and seniors in high school. So they stayed back in the Pittsburgh area. So they did a lot of trout fishing back there, fly fishing for trout. And so when you know, my first fly fishing experiences were back there with them trout fishing in central Pennsylvania.
0: Central PA. Okay. And what's, uh, what's Pittsburgh like for those that don't know, like, is there some fishing around, um, you know, around that area?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. No, the Pittsburgh, uh, the Pittsburgh area has a lot of good fishing, uh, a lot of really good smallmouth fishing. There's, you know, a lot of really great trout fishing within an hour, hour and a half drive, uh, a lot of warm water opportunities as well. Yeah, there's, you know, there's pretty much like our area here in Northeast Ohio, right? There's a lot of fly fishing opportunities, just not the, a lot of the traditional fly fishing opportunities that people think of, right? When they, when they think of fly fishing.
0: Right, right, right. And I think we might talk about that today a little bit, just the fact that, you know, some of these species that are under the radar a little bit still, I mean, I think smallmouth bass is definitely above the radar now, everybody, you know, from, you know, especially out in your neck of the woods, right? It's been, you know, I hear, you know, hear guys out West, they're talking about, you know, they've got shops and they're talking about, Hey, they're in the small mouth now, but they're learning from you guys out, you know, in the great lakes area, which is pretty cool to think how it's kind of going back and forth across the country. But yeah, so you started, so you're up and then how did the Chagrin River Outfitters, like how does that be, come to be where you have a fly shop?
1: Yeah. So, um, I finished up my college, uh, you know, finished up at Bowling Green there and around 1999 was thinking of going to law school. I have four brothers who are attorneys, so I went back to Pittsburgh for the summer. Worked in the law firm with them for a summer. Applied to a few law schools, and luckily for me, I, I got the chance to you know spend a a year in a law office and seeing hmm. kind of getting a feel for it, what goes on and what doesn't. And I luckily I realized that you know maybe this is not not maybe definitely this this yep. is not the road <laughs> I want to go down. <laughs> yep. So I didn't, um, and I ended up over the course of the next couple of years, just doing some guiding, waterfowl guiding, uh, steelhead guiding, things like that. Nothing too serious, Um, trying to figure out exactly what I might want to do. And at that time, obviously, the steelhead fishery here in Ohio was known locally uh, and it was growing, but it wasn't where it is now. But um, you could see that it was going to continue to grow and continue to gained popularity and we really didn't have a fly shop to service the fly fishing community on our side of cleveland or in this this general area at all so i uh talked to my uh wife who was my girlfriend at the time and about it and she was all for it actually it was her idea before it was mine and oh wow yeah so we put the work in and you know did the look to the demographics and all those things and i decided to open a shop which we opened in 2006.
0: 2006. Wow. So you're going on. I mean, geez. I mean, we're not too far away from 20 years, right? How's that? How has it been now? You, as you look out, 15 years or so, you've been in business. Has it been? You know, compare it to where would you before you got started? What's it been like being a shop owner?
1: Yeah. You know, um, it's like a lot of life. It ju- it just kind of has gone by in a blink. You know, I yeah. I was thinking about it the other day. Somebody asked me like, man, Dan, you've been here. You know, I've been coming in since 2006 when you first opened. And I was like holy moly, has it really been that long? You know, cause it seems like yesterday in a lot of ways. I know. In a lot of ways it doesn't, but, um, it's been a great experience, um, between the people I've met, the things I've learned, uh, the relationships we've made, you know, it's been very, very positive.
0: Nice. Nice. And you guys cover, you know, and on that trip and we, we fish a few different waters, kind of just, uh, you know, around Cleveland, I guess about an hour or so in that area. What do you think is the, you know, your home water? Do you guys kind of cover all that lake area when people come in and they say, Hey, we want to go fishing. What do you tell them?
1: Yeah, we kind of cover, you know, the East, um, you know, we don't typically go West from where we are, you know, we're right on the Chagrin river, which is a great fishery. And we have four rivers within 50 minutes of the shop, including the Chagrin that we can fish, you know, the Chagrin and East. So we kind of we kind of cover that Northeast Ohio area. We'll do a little bit in PA at times, but not much.
0: Gotcha. And so, and not New York either. This is like uh you guys focus is Lake Erie or it's that part of uh, Ohio.
1: Yeah. Kind of Northeast Ohio for the steelhead fishing. That's correct.
0: Okay. Perfect. And uh, I definitely want to dig into a little bit on steelhead as we go here, but maybe talk about the species you cover. I mean, we're kind of in the May, June period now, we're, we're going to be heading into summer. What does it look like? Maybe take us around, you know, if somebody's in there this time of year or into the summer, what's your program look like?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, a couple of, of our guides who you fished with or met, I don't know if you...
0: Yeah, Justin and Mike, right?
1: Yep, exactly. So, uh, you know, Justin has a great smallmouth program he runs in the summer. Now, he does that more independently because he's uh, originally from the, the Pittsburgh area as well. So he, he covers more PA stuff
0: and Justin he's related to you right
1: Justin's my nephew yeah he's my brother's son um, yep yeah. but he has a wonderful small mouth program and and Mike uh uh who lives here in in town near the shop he's developed a very nice summer clientele you know that we really didn't have before you know everything here was most people in this area they get into fly fishing because of the steelhead right
0: oh they do so steelhead's number one usually
1: no doubt we wouldn't wouldn't even consider opening a shop without the steelhead Now, we do have a good travel clientele and other things like that. But, um, you know, in order to keep the shop running, you got to have a little more than that. And the steelhead's definitely number one. Yeah. But, you know, we've always had and still have pretty good smallmouth fishing in our local rivers, Uh, not necessarily the tributaries to Lake Erie, but Mm -hmm. like the Cuyahoga River and things like that. Good smallmouth fishing, good pike fishing. I wouldn't call it world class by any means. Yep. But for guys locally that want to, not put their fly rods around down at the end of steelhead season, or for people coming into town um, that want to float down a nice river and you know you catch six, seven, eight bass and two, three pike in a day. That's a pretty typical day. It's like you said, it's not great fishing, but it's pretty consistently good fishing.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, I, I mean it's a species. That's for the way I look at it. You know, I mean, God, maybe they're not the largest or whatever. Maybe it's not the best, but you know, it's another species. I mean, you know, right, being able to catch smallmouth or pike yeah in the off season is a pretty cool deal
1: yeah and the smallies are nice you know the pike don't get real big a 34 35 36 inch would be a good one but there's a lot of the 27 28 inch stuff and uh you know the smallmouth they're not huge but they're okay they're 15 16 you know 17 inch fish kind of thing and then the other the other thing we have here that i don't think a lot of people take advantage of and i understand why in a lot of ways um right about the time the steelhead fishing peters out right around, you know, late April, you know, those water temps warm up just a little bit. And we get a really good push of typically they're migratory fish. So you never know. uh, But typically we get a pretty good push of smallmouth that come in from Lake Erie. You know, these are big Lake Erie fish that are coming in the rivers to spawn just like the steelhead do. And I mean, we've caught a couple fish this year that, we caught one that was seven point four, you know, on a boga grip. Um yeah. on a certified scale. And we caught two others that were over six. So, I mean, you're talking there's about a three, four week window here where these big fish come in from Lake Erie to spawn that you can catch, I mean, smallmouth I mean, world class size smallmouth. I mean six seven pound smallmouth is pretty darn good fish.
0: Right. Yeah. You're talking six, seven pounds, right, right, right. Yeah. 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 These are nice fish. Gosh, that's crazy. Okay. So you have the smallmouth and then, um, and you mentioned the kind of the spring steelhead because we were there when we met up with you, it was cool because we had, you know, Jeff was there and then we had, you guys were basically leading the guiding and we had amazing fishing. I mean, everybody was blown away by the steelhead. I think that's the thing about where you guys are at that people don't realize, you know, um, and sometimes people, you know, on the West coast or whatever, maybe, you know, talk shit about it or whatever. But, I, you know, I was telling Jeff, it's like, Hey, I man this is legit. You know, you guys have a lot of fish and they're bright fish, right? I mean, they're and they're steelhead you know, what's your thought there? Because you hear some people say, oh, they're even Jeff sometimes has, you know, they're like red rainbows or whatever. What's your take on that? The steelhead
1: versus, you know, not steelhead thing. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> first off, I'm glad we have them, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty good fishery. They're fun. They're there. Um, they're aggressive. They take a swung fly very well. So I'm, I'm very thankful that we have the fishery, you know, it I've tried to catch uh, a lot of people like to call a real steelhead out west (laughs) i've been successful Um, i gave it a good three and a half day try i'd like to do it again Uh uh-huh but you know in in my experience anything that comes from the salt water it's going to be a little different animal you know what i mean yeah yeah um it just is the salt water is a tough environment you know those fit get a little bigger a little stronger a little nastier uh now i haven't caught one so i can't say firsthand. But in my experience, a, a fish comes from the salt water is probably going to be a little different animal coming from Lake Erie. That being said, the fish we have, they're big, they're strong, they're aggressive, they fight good. You know, you see a lot of pictures from, you know, people holding fish out west. And you look at the pictures of our, and you can't tell where they're from. You know what I mean? Yep. They look exactly the same. Are they a little different when they come in from the, probably, probably, but. But they're very nice fish, and uh, I'm I'm very grateful that we have them and the opportunity to fish for them.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that uh, what I enjoyed about it is some of the waters. I mean, we fish some bigger stuff too, but you know, some of the smaller water, it's just different. You know, it's kind of technical. It's kind of fun because you're fishing off of ledges. You know, there's just it's a little different, right? You're not fishing these giant big rivers. Like, I'm not sure where'd you fish when you hit out west.
1: Uh, I was out in the OP with uh, Chris Owens and Jack Mitchell. Those guys, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, the OP, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you probably fished some water that was probably bigger. Although the OP has some smaller stuff too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was gorgeous, no doubt about it. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, good. So, that's that conversation, and we've kind of joked about that in the past. But again, at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, if you're having a good time catching fish or whatever, or just being outdoors, it's great. So, that's awesome. And But talk about that with the spring, because we were there in December, and it was kind of that. How do you compare the December Run or maybe that fall run versus the spring type run is there a big difference in how you fish
1: not really you know with the indicator guys you know um they're doing pretty much the same thing throughout the season and you know when we're swinging flies what changes for us a little bit is the types of water we're fishing you know in December and January it's a little colder and we're fishing some of that slower tankier water right and as water temps start to warm up in the spring you know they get back in the in those main currents and uh you know, you can fish for them a little, they get a little more aggressive. So you can fish a little lighter tips and things like that. You don't have to be so much, oh, okay, so much in their face. So fly yeah. patterns change a little bit, you know, especially color. I, you know, there's certain colors that seem to work better in the fall. And then there's ones that work better in the winter. And then there's colors that seem to work better in the spring. So some of it changes for sure, you know, but, uh, it's more about, you know, the types of water you're fishing and, the tip weight and things like that. That's what changes. The fish kind of change lo- holding locations for the most part.
0: Okay. Gotcha. So in the springtime they're going to be in the kind of, where would they be? So in the, I'm just thinking back in December we were fishing. um I guess it depended on flows then too, right? Whether you're fishing kind of, you know, if the water was cloudied up or whatever, but in the spring, where would you be fishing? What would be an example of a type of run?
1: Yeah. So in the winter, um, you know, like when we were here in December, you know, fish some of that you know the the swing speed is kind of slow, right? You, the water's not moving real fast. It's a little deeper. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that kind of thing. So, you know, fishing more of the main run versus you know, fishing that in the winter time. We're going to fish that on the inside seam, even on on the inside of that and that slower, couchy, tanky water. Where in the in the springtime they're going to hold. You know, as those water temps start to warm, they'll still hold in those places, but they're going to their metabolism's going to pick up they're going to start uh, feeling more like it's springtime and they're going to push into hold out in that main current a little bit more and get into those kind of things where they typically won't be when the water temps 34 degrees.
0: Yeah, I see. Yeah. Yeah. So they're out in the deeper, right? So in the deeper, maybe in the tank of the run sort of thing. And then when you're fishing, you know, how would you feel like, what sort of line are you using pretty much the same lines and tips fishing there? Uh, What's that look like for, you know, say let's keep it into the springtime.
1: Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the fishing out here is, is floating Skagit heads and then we change up the sink tips we're running. Right. Yep. So, you know, that time, so it's more, is it still the same Skagit heads? Yes. What we change, uh, more often than not are the sink tips, you know, the weight of the sink tips, maybe the length of the sink tips. And then also, you know, depending on the situation, a a weighted versus a non-weighted fly.
0: Yeah. And what do you, what's your, what's your go-to kind of a rod length, you know, and weight. talk about the rod and line there.
1: Yeah. I'm a big fan of, I like a six weight. I like something that throws around, oh, you know, something you can put like a 325 grain line on, you know, I, uh, I don't like to fish too heavy for these fish. Cause while we do have nice fish and at times are there 10, 11, 12 pound fish around there is, but in reality, most of the fish are six, seven pounds. And while uh, a nice stout seven weight is much easier for me to cast and throw tips and big flies on all day, when you get a seven pound steelhead on there, it's a little over, over You know what I mean? It's a little outmatched. Oh yeah. So while I'm not the best caster in the world, I prefer to throw a little lighter rod, a six weight, sometimes even a five in the fall and get to feel the the fish a little bit better, enjoy the fight a little bit better, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay, and then what would be like length of that if you had a six way, what would be the length?
1: Yeah, I like anything between eleven and twelve feet for our size rivers. Um is a twelve six okay? Sure. Is a ten eight okay? Sure. But if you're looking something between eleven and twelve feet is is a pretty good range for, for our size rivers, I think.
0: Okay. Perfect. Good. So that gives us the gear a little bit. And yeah, so but the, the techniques and what we did up there in December, we would be utilizing a lot of the same stuff that we did there for this, if we were there in the spring.
1: hundred percent, hundred percent. We just be fishing a little bit different water probably.
0: Okay. Perfect. Well, I'll put, um, I'll put a link, you know, we've done a couple episodes with Jeff where he broke down, you know, especially when we were doing that steelhead school, he broke down that. So we'll have some links in the show notes there. And then and then we're also doing stuff, and Jeff is actually doing some podcasting. You know, he's kind of hosting an episode or a show with our podcast. So we got tons of Great Lakes uh, content, which is awesome because we have a lot of people that are up there. But um, I do want to talk a little bit, you know, we got steelhead, obviously, but you mentioned smallmouth. And I would love to hear about that because that's, a you know, like we said, a popular species. So when does that start getting uh, hot? When is Justin out there really going for it?
1: Justin does his PA stuff. He's doing that right now. He does that May through September. Um, here in our area, the lake runs smallies, like I said, that starts right around the time, you know, the steelhead fishing starts to wane right around end of April. You'll start, you know, you'll be out swinging flies for steelhead and, and, and you'll get a big tug and and you'll get a fish on there that instead of jumping and running, just kind of gets down and dirty on you. You know what I mean?
0: Yep. Yep.
1: And you know, if you're lucky enough and you bring it to hand, you got to nice three and a half pound smallmouth there nice so it makes for great fishing the other thing that happens that time of year is you know i think a lot of people again again i understand why they sometimes don't pursue the lake run smallmouth is because i i feel like they just uh you know they start steelhead fishing mid-october and they're on the rivers october november december january february march you know first part of april pretty long season right and by the time end of April rolls around and the smallmouth start coming in, you know, a lot of them are getting out the golf clubs. They're, they're launching the boats. They're doing others, you know, they're heading to Michigan or PA or wherever, and they're trout fishing. Uh, so it gets overlooked, I think for a lot of those reasons. So I, that I understand, but at the same time, it's a pretty phenomenal fishery. It's, you know, these fish run upstream a good ways. Um, they're scattered throughout the system. They're smallmouth. You know, they like to hold in a little slower, a little deeper, a little bouldery, more bouldery water um but you know cast in you know sink tips or sinking lines uh when the water's up a little bit with big streamers and it's just really really good fishing and you won't see hardly anybody else out there doing it which is nice as well right you kind of got the whole rivers to yourself most of the time
0: right so once the steelhead are kind of gone it's warming up then yeah the rivers kind of clear up a little bit so you don't have as much pressure
1: not even close it's like night and day
0: oh wow. wow wow that's really cool and so what do you think is that? Because you have the smallmouth, and smallmouth are native, right, to your area. Is that true, or I'm not sure?
1: 100%. Yep, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yep. So you've got the, I mean, that's the interesting right? You've got the native species, the smallmouth. you got steelhead, which are obviously the fish. I mean, they're, they've been there a long time, but they were you know transplanted. And you still don't have people that are you know, as busy for sale. Why do you think that is? Because there are some places where smallmouth seems to be picking up some, you know, like you hear about it more, like, say, maybe up north of you. But what's your take on it? Just a matter of time?
1: you know, I think locally, uh, like I said, I think it's a matter of, you know, these guys have been out smallmouth or steelhead fishing on the same rivers all year. They're looking to do something else. And I guess why do other people not come in and take advantage of it? A lot of people that come here to steelhead fish, you know, they come from Michigan, they come from New York, they come from PA, they come from other areas that all have pretty good smallmouth fishing as well. Right. So I think that's a part of it also.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, that's good for the people, right? That are around there. It gives you more opportunities. So if you're, you know, you want to get out and have some time on your own without the pressure, smallmouth would be, would be it. You mentioned a couple other, what are some other species that you guys are targeting throughout the year? So you got steelhead, smallmouth, what else would you be adding to the list?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, starting in in the tributaries in the spring, right around that same time, you get not very glamorous, but you get good runs of very big carp. You can sight fish to the carp, you know, you're talking, 15 to 25 pound carp that come in the lower rivers. Um, we also have a fish called a uh, quillback, which hmm. is carp-like, but it, it's called a quillback. It has a big, long dorsal fin, almost like a uh, tarpon. Um, oh, wow. It takes streamers. It takes egg patterns if you're nymph in, uh, fights like a son of a gun. Uh, those are a lot of fun. We get a lot of gar in the lower rivers this time of year coming in from Lake Erie. You know, there's all kinds of stuff swimming around the lower rivers this time. I mean, just, you know, you name it, you can probably find it. Right. So there's
0: tons of diversity. You got all
1: sorts of stuff. And then
0: do you hit some of the lake? Are you out there in a the boat, like actually fishing the lake?
1: I don't do much of that. I do it a couple of times a year. You know, obviously Jeff does a lot of that and, and does some for it. But where I do that kind of fishing is more over where I grew up in Sandusky, you know, over in Sandusky Bay, same lake, same shoreline. Uh, the fishery is very similar, but you know, obviously very, very good smallmouth fishing. And that's one of the things getting a little more popular as folks fishing the Lake Erie shoreline, just off the break walls and the jetties and the piers and that kind of thing. You see a lot more people out there, you know, with sinking lines, with intermediate lines, you know, throwing scalping patterns around, throwing crayfish patterns around. Again, especially in the spring when the waters and shore warm up a little more, everything's drawn to those river mouths and that warmer water. So, Excellent smallmouth fishing, excellent drum fishing. Uh, you can catch walleye off the shore this time of year and a myriad of other species that come in. So that that's definitely growing a little bit in our area as well. Just kind of uh, not like traditional. I don't want to call it surf casting by any means, but, you know, just, that, oh yeah, you know, fishing, you know, just that lakeshore fishing off the break walls and the piers and, and around the river. So people are definitely in this area expanding what they're doing with the fly rod it's, you know, it's a little bit of the Lake Erie shoreline fishing. It's a little bit of fishing, fly fishing Lake Erie in the boats. It's a little bit of fishing our Lake Run smallmouth. Um, It's a little bit of fishing our inland rivers um, that have, you know, smallmouth and pike. So while not one area is really jumping off just yet, there's a lot of uh, small areas where a lot of people are continuing to grow the the sport and explore the sport of fly fishing here in northeast ohio which is great
0: today's episode is sponsored by stonefly nets putting quality before quantity with their handcrafted custom wood landing nets charleston south carolina native ethan iglehart was bitten by the fly fishing bug in 2014 and shortly thereafter started stonefly nets He now lives in the trout rich waters of the Ozarks and handcrafts some of the sweetest wooden landing nets you'll see. I've been using these stonefly nets for quite a while now and I'm excited to dig into another year. Ethan builds these nets custom and you can select from four sizes and many different wood options. For Ethan, fly fishing is a memory created from a morning on a beautiful stretch of water casting a three weight bamboo rod that his grandmother gave to his father and then he passed to Ethan. Ethan is helping us create the same types of lasting memories every time we're on the water with these classic custom wood nets. You can head over right now to wetflyswing.com slash stonefly to check out your custom net right now. That's wetflyswing.com slash stonefly, S-T-O-N-E-F-L-Y. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to stonefly. Okay, back to the show are there quite a few other fly shops around you know that neck of the woods in kind of northeast ohio
1: uh no there is not there's one on the west side of town
0: the backpacker shop right
1: that's it That's the backpackers they are on the west side they do a great job over there um, they have a nice little fly shop they have a great camping canoeing that kind of super nice people and then that's about a, if i was to hop in my car and drive to the backpacker shop it would probably take me i don't know an hour and ten minutes yeah. You know, so between there, there's not a whole lot.
0: Right. Right. There's not a whole lot. That's it. And you guys are, I mean, you're kind of in the heart of Steelhead Alley, right? Would you say that's kind of where, you know, what you're known for? Steelhead Alley, right? That's, but it includes multiple states.
1: 100%. 100%. I think, I think Steelhead Alley pretty much refers to, you know, that southern shore of Lake Erie, right? Which includes a little bit of New York over there, east, and then PA in the middle, and then our part of Ohio over to, you know, the west side yeah, we're right smack dab in the middle of it, no doubt about
0: it. Yeah. Do you know who coined that phrase? I'm not sure if you have the history. I can't remember like how that all started. It's probably been called that for a while.
1: It's been called that for a long, long time. And I wish I could tell you uh, where it originated. And I don't know. I just know it's been called that for a long, long time.
0: Yeah, we'll try to do some research. Maybe we can track that down from somebody out there because it's interesting. Because, yeah, I mean, the the fish were, you know, transplanted, right? It's been whatever it's been, 60, 100 years. I don't even know, right? They've been that and salmon and everything. Do you guys also do a little bit of the salmon stuff?
1: We really don't get uh, the salmon runs here in, in Ohio. You know, we'll get a, a weird stray, a couple of strays now and then. And, and people definitely catch a few kings and pinks and cohos every year. But we don't have a fishery.
0: Yeah, no fishery. And then what about, and Brown, I know you do have the same thing with Browns, right? They're kind of trickling down from PA. Is that how that works?
1: Yeah, I think you get a few from PA. You get a few from New York. Uh, maybe you get a few from across the lake in Canada. You know, PA did stock some for a while. I don't know what, or I don't know uh, if they're continuing to do so or, or what's going on with that program, to be honest with you. But you get a few of those fish over here as well. Um, so that, yeah, you will catch, you know, you will get the occasional salmon, you will catch the occasional brown, but nothing really to target. It's kind of a bycatch to the steelhead fishing.
0: Perfect. So awesome. Well, this is going well. I think that we're kind of covering a little bit of a, you know, swinging around, you know, kind of what you have with your operation. What's it look like for you during, I know we, I um at the shop right now, right? You have somebody working there. What's that look like? Who's in the shop? How's that look throughout the year?
1: Uh, yeah. So we have a handful of, so basically, you know, In the shop is usually myself, our good friend Fabio, uh, Peter Alves, who's been in the fly fishing business forever. He used to own a a fly shop on Cape Cod for a lot of years till he migrated to uh, Northeast Ohio. Um, And then Anthony's in there, Anthony Miller. Anthony kind of, he works in the shop a little bit and guides a little bit as well. Um, And then we have, you know, as far as guide staff goes, you know we got Mike, who you met. We got another Mike. We got Bob. Uh, we got Justin, we got Anthony. Um, so we have a pretty solid, yeah. pretty solid, uh, crew with a very good guide staff.
0: Right. That's right. And how does it look for you? Are you doing an equal amount of guiding or do you kind of enjoy more being in the shop? What's that look like?
1: I enjoy being in the shop. I enjoy being on the water. You know, for me being on the water guidance, like a day off, right. When I, cause I don't have to deal with the shop stuff. Yeah. But that being said, every day I'm on the water, I'm not in the shop and I get a little Get a little back up, yeah. So
0: that's right. Do you ever find people are come in the shop and they're really wanting to talk to you, and they're you know maybe that sort of thing, or do you find that yeah, people you got knowledgeable staff, so it's not a big deal if you take a week off or something like that?
1: No, I, I definitely think when you, what for better or worse, uh, you know when you're kind of synonymous with the shop, you know, a lot of times people come in there to see you. Um, i know when i go to shops like on the cape or east coast or something like that i'm going in there to see somebody specific a lot of times right yeah but that being said it's not like i'm bummed out when they're not there um but yeah i think it's more important for me to be in the shop most days than on the water as much as i love the guide and enjoy doing it i definitely don't do as much as i used to i try and be in the shop more often than not especially during steelhead season right now um this time of year i can get uh be a little more flexible, but during steelhead season, I'd like to be in the shop as much as I can.
0: Okay. Good, good. And what is your, take us to the shop. If somebody hasn't been in there, when they walk in, what do they see? Do you have like, are you more, lots of fly tying? Is it a mix of, you know, gear? What, what's that look like?
1: Yeah. So I think we're pretty well rounded as far as gear goes. Uh, we focus on, you know, the single hand and two handed rod, you know, fishing for, for steelhead, but you know, Cleveland has a pretty big fly fishing community. And even, you know, a lot of people wouldn't know that, but, um, you know, a lot of fly fishing clubs, um, Cleveland museum of natural history has a big club. So we have a lot of guys that travel. Um, you know, we tailor to, uh, a lot of destination travel. You know, a lot of people going to Argentina, Chile. Oh, nice. You know, obviously Alaska is a big one. Out West is a big one. You know, we host six trips to the Bahamas and Belize every year for, for bonefish and permit fishing. You know, so we have a pretty good travel program as well. Yeah, you know, fly tying—we carry a lot of you know, fly tying's gotten really big, right, in the last seven, eight, nine years. Um, so you know, and obviously tying steelhead flies, especially for those of us that swing flies, it's a great way to pass the time and it's a fun thing to do. You know, it kind of puts you on the river or in a spot on the river that you want to fish with that fly. You know, during those cold January nights, yeah, you know, when you can't be on the water sometimes, so. Um, yeah, we have a, a great fly tying selection, good selection of rods and reels. Um, obviously, you know, shop stuff, logo, you know, shop hat, shop T-shirts, those kind of things.
0: Right. You got a shop cat or a shop dog in there?
1: Um, you know, sometimes I got to <laughs> bring Willow down once in a while. She's not a she's not a fixture there, but she's definitely there from time to time.
0: Oh, is she a dog?
1: Yeah. Yellow Lab.
0: Oh, yellow lab. There you go. Oh, yeah. That's right. So you do a little bit of uh, like hunting, bird hunting or something like that?
1: I do mostly waterfowl hunting um, just based on where we're at. We don't have a whole lot of bird hunting per se. We got preserves and stuff, um, but uh, she's she's a duck dog and a good one. Duck dog, that's amazing. Cool.
0: Well, so uh, Jeff, you know, Liske, he's out there. He's kind of been, we've been doing a lot of stuff, like I said, with him. How did you first, uh, tell us that story. Do you remember when you first met Jeff?
1: You know, I don't remember exactly.
0: Has it been quite a long time? I'm not sure of that story. You've known him for a
1: while. I've known him since I opened the shop.
0: Oh, wow. So there you go. So it's been a while. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, and he, the, I think the way I first met him is I reached out to him to help us out with some seminars and things like that when we were getting the, when we first started to get the shop going and uh, you know, Jeff being Jeff, he was more than happy yeah. to uh, help and uh, did a great job as he always does. And then we just kind of developed a relationship from there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I find that some of the best out there are the people that don't, um, they don't tell you how great they are. Right. You like Jeff, he won't say he's a great spay caster, but he, I think he is right. He's a, a good teacher. I mean, do you find that like the casting is obviously a big struggle for a lot of people. Do you find yourself as that's like a big part of what you do, like teaching people how to spay cast and all that?
1: Yeah. So we, I do a lot of single hand casting classes. I do a lot of those in the summer this time of year. That's something else we offer. And I am not afraid to admit, and I'll be the first to admit, I am not a two-handed casting instructor. You know, can I get you on the river and get you making a couple nice casts and catch a few fish? Sure, I can do that. But can I get you to those next levels to really get it dialed in and whatnot? I can't. I'm just, you know, um, and it's not that I can't do it personally, but I can't teach it yet. You know what I mean? And there's a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Being able to do and teach. So single hand stuff not a problem. I, I feel like I do a great job at that. And I love doing it. And I, can I give some basic intro to spay casting? Sure. I can get you on your way, but after that, nah, I'm not the guy for you, but we do a lot of casting lessons, single hand casting and stuff like that. Sure,
0: Yeah. Do you find guys up there when they're fishing for steelhead, there's still an equal amount single hand and two handed casting?
1: You know, I think it depends on the day you go out, you know, because our rivers, they rise and fall so quickly with, with rain. With the precipitation. So, you know, if you get out there on those days when the water's still high, when you want to swing flies, you know, and the conditions are better for swinging flies, you'll see more two handed guys right out there swinging flies because the bobber guys are still, you know, kind of two days away from where they want the water to be to have conditions in their favor. It's not that you won't see any, but you'll see less. Oh, right. And so, and then by the time it gets down to a good fishable level for, uh, for the indicator guys the the two-handed guys have moved on to the next spot where the water's still up and pushing a little bit. So I think it depends.
0: Yeah, that's right. And the indicator game that's still a pretty popular way to hit steelhead out there with just indicators, flies, egg patterns, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, egg patterns, nymph patterns, you know, zonkers, buggers, baitfish pattern imitations um still works very very well, no doubt about it. And but I'm pretty excited about the the where the Swung fly games going. You know, the state of Ohio has played around with our fishery a little bit the last six, seven, eight years. And they started stocking a few different strains of steelhead that are coming in from at different times of year. It used to be in Ohio. You know, the fish really started coming in right around Thanksgiving time, like in good numbers. And they were good fish and they were big fish. But a lot of times they were a little sluggish and didn't take swung flies as well as you would have hoped. You, we still caught them, yep. but you know these new strains of fish they're stocking that are coming into the rivers a little sooner in the fall when the water temps are still warmer um, and the runs are more spread out. You know it seems like swinging flies is not just kind of like a, a preferred way to fish the last few years, but. It's a good way when you're guiding to fish because these fish seem to these new strains of fish that are coming in, um, seem to be much more aggressive towards taking a swung fly and chasing a swung fly down. I think it has to do with, you know, the, the timing of their run is a little sooner in the year because so the water temps are a little warmer and they're just a little different fish. They're just a little more aggressive. I mean, we had good fish and when you were here, I don't remember what, how it was, um, you know, but that's a pretty typical fishing for December where it used to be, you know, when you get 34, 35 degree water temps, um, you know, you were struggling to, you know, you would catch a fish or two a day, but it was work. It seems like now, you know, swinging flies, you know, not to take it for granted or anything, but if you go out and swing flies for a day in December, you're catching them, you know, and they're, they're hitting it hard. It's not just like picking it up and plucking at it. Um, so these, um, you Know whatever is going on with the uh strains of fish that Ohio has introduced, fishing a swan fly has become much, much more successful. How's that?
0: Yeah, no, that's um, that's exactly how I think we all felt on that trip, as we were like, wow, this is actually, and of course, it's fishing and we had some you know, some water, everything wasn't on all the time, but yeah, it was good. We had a lot of action and uh, and they were aggressive, you know, and you get the thing that I really noticed about it was. Like the tips and taps and touches you know i I've told the story before, but I had a fish down there. we were fishing in one of the br- the bigger rivers, and I swung it down, and I had a tap you know it was like that tap, which you get out west a lot, you know, especially for summer steelhead, where you get a fish that's on it and they touch it, they maybe kind of grab it a little bit, and then it might be the fifth time they touch it where they actually hook up, and so that happened on that trip. Well, actually, that one was a brown, so a brown hit it, and then I hooked and then I landed it, and it was amazing, and then I went back to the same spot and then and then got, um, you know, and then we had some more fish action, but it was, there was a lot of action. So do you find, you must find that too, right? There's a lot of tips and taps and tugs and there's lots of activity.
1: Yeah. Well, there's, there can be right. Um, but yeah, Yeah. there's definitely, um, the, you know, times when they're playing with the fly and you always have to be engaged, right. And what your fly's doing and where it's fishing and those kind of things. So, um, I don't want to say there's never a dull moment, but I mean, you should be engaged even when they're not grabbing and and plucking at, um, you you should be, trying to do do something with your fly where it's fishing how deep it's fishing how fast it's fishing
0: right what do you do when you get a if you get kind of a tap or a pluck or something what's your first what's your next move
1: <laughs> first thing <laughs> i do is try not to set the hook it's hard not to you know give with you you will start feeling those couple little tap tap taps not to uh, give yep. them a little lift um you know if i can keep from uh from pulling it away from them um, what I'll, I like to do is obviously like a lot of people like to do is, you know, step back up and give them another go at it. What I feel like works best for me, even with, you know, without really changing patterns or anything like that is I like to try and speed the fly up, make them commit more to it. Mm. And that, that seems to work for me to get them to, Really commit to it more than just keep playing with it. I'll, you know, I'll make a cast up, maybe put a little more belly in it, put a little more speed in it, run it through there, uh, where I think they are a little faster than I had been. And usually for me, that'll get the job done. If it doesn't, I'll go a little smaller and a little more natural. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, if speeding the fly up and getting them to commit to it doesn't work, a lot of times for me, go a little smaller and a little more natural. Uh, Oh, right. Yeah. Smaller. Yeah. A little smaller fly or natural pattern. color.
0: And how are you speeding up that fly?
1: I usually just put a little, little more belly in it, a little more mend in it, and just letting that current kind of push it through there a little quicker, and a little faster. Yeah. Nothing crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let it pull through. And then, and then what are the fly? Like if you had a fly, what would be a typical fly you might have on there? And then what would be a smaller fly? How much smaller would you be going? Because that depends a lot. Depends on the situation conditions.
1: Yeah. Right. Depends a lot. But. You know, I would say I'm typically fishing something in the uh, three and a half inch range. You know, let's say everything else being equal, water conditions are kind of where you want them. Temps are good. Um, obviously, the time of year is a big one for me around here for with with color pattern. But let's say we just just say for argument's sake, you can't go wrong with kind of an olive and white, right? Everything they're eating in like Erie shad, yeah. shiners, smelt, etc. Some kind of olive and white. So, um, you know, that's probably where I'm going to start. And if, you know, if I feel like I'm getting a few pulls on, a few plucks, and they're really not committing to it, then I'll probably downsize to maybe more like a two and a half inch fly. And I'll go, I like tan a lot, a little bit of tan, a little bit of copper, maybe just a little bit of Kelly green in there, uh, a little more natural. And uh, usually that'll work for me.
0: That'll do it. Perfect. We mentioned kind of going into the spring, summer. I mean, when does, throughout the summer, when are you starting to think about, you know, steelhead again, is that, you know, when's that start to kind of come back on top of mind?
1: Well, for me, I never stop because I'm, a, I'm already trying to get ready for next fall. I'm trying to get, you know, make sure my fly bins are filled up, you know, mid September, right? Uh, make sure the rods, yeah. reels and lines are here. But I think for most anglers, it's probably late August, September, maybe, maybe not late August, maybe more September, you know, when, the, when you start getting a little bit of rain. You know, the nights start getting a little shorter. Shadows start getting a little longer. uh, You know, temps cool down. And then, you you know, you just, it's just kind of, you get that fall feeling right in the air. And you're like, oh, it's almost steelhead season. So I think September's big for us. You know, September's when you start seeing steelhead guys come in the door and, you know, getting new lines and starting to buy more materials to refill their fly boxes. And yeah. September, right? Yeah, but we get a lot of guys that are going to Michigan and New York and that kind of stuff too that time of year for the salmon fishing. But uh, yeah, for the steelhead guys, September, because you can even have good fishing here at the end of September. If it's a wet, cold September, you'll have plenty of fish in the rivers by then. So, you know, and that doesn't happen every year, but it can.
0: So you got to get the rain. That's kind of the big part of it. the fish are there. So if you get some early rain in September, that'll bring some fish in.
1: Got to have the water. Yep. Yep.
0: Cause pretty much those streams are all super low after the summer. And then, yeah, I mean, there's no, they're warm, warm, but once that rain hits, brings it up, they're ready to go. And then they're, they're moving. There's in October, is that kind of the, what would you say is the peak? Like if you had to pick a, a two week peak on average, when would that be?
1: Boy, you know, that's a tough one too, because we are dealing with, and again, uh, you know, it's fishing and water conditions, right? So if we have a dry October, it can be lousy. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, if we have a wet October, it can be good.
0: So it could be, it could be just as good in September, October, November, any of those.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to still have better fishing in November, December, but you can have good fishing in October. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And we usually start guiding right around mid-October and there's fish around and we catch them. You got to work for them a little more. You got to move around a little more and locate them. Um, but we typically start our guiding right around mid-October.
0: Yeah. Mid-October.
1: Okay. Yeah. I like the December, January fishing, you know, with this, um, you know, let's face it, winters are getting milder, you know?
0: Yeah, they are, aren't they? Yeah, are you guys noticing that? Like, how was this when I know there was some cold snap there, but how was it for this winter?
1: I mean, it was, we had some wintry weather, but there was never a time where we were not really fishing. You know what I mean? Oh, right.
0: Yeah. There wasn't like you didn't go for a month without being able to fish.
1: No, no. I mean, it's just, you know, there. it's been a f- quite a few years since, you know, the rivers have froze up and locked up for, you know, a month and a half, two months like they used to. Um, it's been a while. So, and I, you know, if you can be flexible and you want to avoid the crowds, you know, I, I think our December fishing when you guys are here is great. Um, yeah. Especially if you're coming in from out of town, because if you do get, you know, if you want to come in October, November, or even April, you get an inch of rain, you know, two days before you're kind of out of luck, um, which happens, but in December you can get precipitation, but you're not going to get an inch of rain. If you get anything, it's going to be snow. So it might be a little colder, but the rivers aren't going to blow out on you. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think that's what Jeff was saying. He thought that that period in December was great because it kind of, yeah, hedges your bets a little bit, you know, like you kind of, yeah. There's multiple runs coming in too, right? You got the early run that could be there, the late run instead of, you know, planning a trip and like no fish being there. That's a big part of it.
1: The February, March fishing, uh, late February, March fishing I like a lot as well. It's just, you know, it's before um, you get a lot of traffic on the rivers and, you know, the fish are there and the fishing can be really good. It's very good for for swinging flies that time of year. You get those fresh pushes of spring fish coming in. They're aggressive. They're hungry Uh, because once those fish start getting into – once you start getting into late March and April, it's hard to catch a, a fish swinging a fly around here. You know, they really get in get into spawn mode and, uh, you know, obviously you don't mess with any of that. And, you know, they're not real in the swingable runs. They're all pushed up in that fast, riffly, you know, heads of the pools and that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't recommend, you know, coming here in April to swing flies. March, yes. February, yes. Anytime before that. But once you start April it gets tricky. It gets tricky. We, we still do it we swing flies and obviously the drop backs hammer them. Um, but it's, you know, for the amount of fish that are in the rivers and the amount of pools and stuff you're getting, it's just, just not quite there.
0: Amazing. Yeah, that's great. And I'll put a link out in the show notes to, um, at wetflyswing.com slash steelhead school. And that'll be a place where people, if they want to sign up, we actually have, we've already sold a bunch of slots for that. You know, we're doing that again this year. And I think we still have some availability. People can check that out because it's a pretty popular, you know, I think obviously people around the area, being able to fish with you guys and Jeff is cool. Um, have some campfire, you know, chats. We had a great uh, place. That place we stayed at was awesome as well, which I think we're going to be going back there, but it's just a good experience. So let's take it out of here, uh, Dan, with the, um, we've got the, kind of the question of the week. You know, this is like our Q&A series. we kind of starting this up. Um, we're doing a little program on Instagram as well here, but um, I've got a few questions. These are probably pretty easy. One was from, um, well, the one I want to check it was Robert Hammond mentioned about tying a dropper. He said he was struggling with tying droppers and breaking off his fly. Do you guys do that much when you're out there on any of these fishing steelhead or whatever? Are you doing droppers off the hook or do you have a certain way you do that?
1: Yeah. well, more indicator fishing, definitely we're fishing too, right? Yeah. You know, um, I usually go off the eye of the hook. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Usually go off the eye of the hook um, for no particular reason. I've done it both ways. I've done it off the eye. I've done it off the bend. Both work fine. Um, And did he say what his problem was specifically? Breaking off.
0: Yeah. Part of it was. uh, Part of it was the. um, You know, I think a lot of us as you get older, it gets harder. He was breaking off. I'm going to look up really quick because he's got it right here. Here's the question. Um, So Robert said, uh, very often I lose fish because of the knot I'm. of my trailing fly fails where it's tied to the bend of the lead fly what is the best knot and the easiest knot for my old eyes and fingers to tie with both mono and fluorocarbon leader
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: i mean i i'm not sure if he's talking steelhead he's probably my guess is he's talking trout you know but i don't know i mean i guess it'd be just generally like gosh i mean i don't know i tie off the the, the bend of the hook as well and you know i don't have a lot of problems but maybe it could be his leader too that he's using
1: yeah, um, you know, it's, if the knot's coming untied, you know, maybe, and I don't know what knot he's using, but I like an improved clinch knot, Um, you know, make sure you're doing the seven to eight turns, and make sure you're wetting mm-hmm. the knot very good, and make sure, you know, you're pulling that thing down, so st- you can feel it, you know, when you're tying a knot, and you tie a good knot, you can feel it kind of click, lock into place almost, right? mm mm-hmm. um, So, make sure you're feeling that, and then, you know, make sure you wet it good, make sure you're cinching it down good, and then... The other thing that I don't know that I've found in the past, you know, if the eye of the hook's too big, like say you're tying on, like try and tie up like a size, you know, two, four woolly bugger with five X tippet, right? It's just that, that eye of the hook is too big and it doesn't, you know, that smaller tippet won't cinch down. You may have to increase the, uh, uh, the diameter of the, uh, line you're using a little bit or tie a loop knot of some sort. Oh yeah. You know, the other thing he could do that I do for steelhead fishing is tie up a bunch of droppers and rigs in advance. You know, a lot of people will wrap them around some, like, uh, some of that uh, pipe, you know, the foam pipe, uh, whatever you call it, or like the pool noodle stuff, the pool noodles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Put them in a little bag, you know, that way you just have to tie one fly to the end of your, uh, leader you know and you're all rigged up ready to go that's a it's a time saver and uh you know it just saves time on the water and you don't have to deal with cold wet fingers trying to tie knots while you're out fishing at least not as many knots yeah nice 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 that's awesome
0: cool well we will uh that's good we've got a few more um here i think uh, we'll save to the next one i got a couple of other random ones i wanted to ask you before we jump out of here and uh These are kind of uh, I think these will be also pretty easy and fun uh, to chat about. But I always love to get into the music a little bit because I've been having some fun uh, with some of our guests, some of the music we've been through right here. But do you are you more like listen to podcasts or music when you're kind of on the road in your car?
1: I have never. (laughs) You might not. I've never listened to a podcast.
0: That's good. That's actually a good thing. That's positive.
1: (laughs) I'm a music guy. I'm a music guy or books. I like books.
0: Good. Give us a, a either a group song or something like that we can throw in the show notes.
1: Uh, you know, uh, Gordon Lightfoot just passed away. I'm oh, I'm a new Gordon Lightfoot guy.
0: Yeah, Gordon Lightfoot. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. We'll track something down there. And, uh, and we'll just stay on the book. So any good books you've uh, kind of read recently or things that you're looking forward to reading?
1: You know, my wife was yelling at me the other day. I, I used to read so many darn books, and I have really been lacking lately just with three kids and running a business. I'm busy from 5.30 in the morning till 9.30. I, I just, I haven't made time to read any books lately and I, I should, but I haven't.
0: Yeah. You're like working like 16 hour days. Is that kind of, do you ever at the end of the day, are you feeling totally drained? Or are you like, could you work another, you know, four hours?
1: No, I usually feel pretty good. It's not all shop stuff. I mean, you know, I'm up at five 30, getting the kids, their lunches packed for school, getting them up, making them breakfast. I get them all on the buses by eight. Then I do my work stuff till about five. And then, then it's back to the kids. It's you know, running around, Yep. got six, we got eight sports going on right now and everything else. So it's, it's a lot of different things. It's not all shop stuff. Um, right. Could I work a little more? (laughs) I mean, do I have energy to do (laughs) at the end of the day? I do. But, uh, that being said, I'm, I'm happy when, uh, when I close my eyes at at the end of the night and I don't, you know, I can get up and do it again the next day.
0: That's right. That's right. Awesome. And and with Cleveland, uh, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, I mean, if somebody was coming in there like this next year for Steelhead Alley, is there like some food? Where would you recommend somebody stop for dinner if they're going to be coming out, you know, a night after fishing?
1: You know, it depends where they're staying. Um, you know, right here in Chagrin Falls, there's a great food scene right where the shop is. I mean, we have wonderful, wonderful restaurants down here. It's fantastic. There's a couple little inns you can stay at and that kind of thing. Oh, cool. Um, you know, if they're staying out around Geneva, uh, there's a lot of uh, nice restaurants around uh, the Geneva area as well. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I, I would come to yeah. in the Chagrin Falls area. There's a lot of great food here, and Cleveland has a great food scene overall. So to pick one place would be difficult. But there's, if you're a foodie and you like fishing, you would do well for yourself to come to Cleveland, enjoy a few restaurants, and enjoy a few a little bit of the fishing because we both are very good. Perfect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. And Cleveland's a cool, definitely a cool city. Um, And we talked about the start. We mentioned the, the attorney, you know, uh, your family, it sounds like, you know, you've got a few of your brothers that went that route. Do you find like, when you think about that, that you made the right choice, it sounds like the law that was not the, uh, the perfect fit back in the day.
1: For me, definitely. Yeah. I don't, I just, uh, and they love it. They're very good at it. They're passionate about it. They enjoy the law, but for me, it wasn't the right fit. And I, You know, I don't know if I made the, who knows if you make the perfect decision or where the other roads would lead, but I'm pretty happy where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good deal.
0: All right, Dan, well, I think that's, uh, I think we can leave it there. We've obviously uh, touched the surface on a lot of these things. We'll send everybody out uh, to chagrinriveroutfitters.com if they have questions. And um, yeah, anything else you want to leave anybody with before we head out of here with what you have going either kind of, uh, you know, this month and next uh, few months or so?
1: You know, it's, it's, we get a lot of feedback, repeat feedback from people we take fishing, you know, and, you know, you may be able to touch on this a little bit as well. You know, a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to come to the Cleveland, Northeast Ohio and, and go fishing. Yeah. They have no idea what to expect, right? You hear usually what you hear about Northeast Ohio and Cleveland a lot of times isn't super positive, right? Oh, really? Right. Over the course of uh, many years
0: like the river thing right the river that cotton fire or whatever
1: yeah that's just one of many examples right the sports teams being lousy at times and everything else so but people uh you know when they come here you know they're always pleasantly surprised i think with not just the fishing we do have nice fishing but with the rivers with the sceneries you know with the bald eagles flying around and everything else they're like wow it's really pretty you know i had no idea it was this beautiful here so you know, if you're a little bit skeptical or not sure what to expect, you know, don't be afraid to give it a try. You know, whether you fish with with us or just come up here and go fishing, it's, um, I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy it.
0: Yeah. And one last random one before we get out of here. I was thinking one of our sponsors is Trestle and they have a new, um, a new bike uh, system for carrying your gear, you know, out there. But so biking, uh, running or swimming, what are you, uh, what are you worst at if you had to pick one?
1: I've never been a good swimmer. You know, and I used to run a lot, but the shin splints have gotten me lately.
0: Yeah. So no running. So biking would be your your sport now.
1: I I don't know if it's a sport, but I do have a Peloton in the basement (laughs) that I use quite frequently. So Oh, there you go. It's more stationary, right? I think it's a little safer for me. Nice work.
0: Nice. You're on it. Good. All right, Dan. Well, uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. I appreciate you for taking the time today and everything you guys do. The trip you guys put together was kind of, you know, second to none. It was awesome. Justin and, and Mike and you guys were all great. Everybody had rave reviews for you guys. So we're excited to get back up there again. And uh, yeah, and keep on doing the good work. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.
1: Yeah, no, I, I can't wait to see you guys again. I'm glad you everybody enjoyed it. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk. So thank you.
0: There it is. com slash 473. 473 right now. Check it out, and you can follow up and keep this conversation going. All the links to Dan and his team are there. We got all the links and show notes we talked about today, and uh, and I'm hopeful we will have some music there as well, some bonus music. Let's do a quick listener shout out before we get out of here. Cooper Johnson. Okay, Cooper said, "Hey Dave, I'm from Washington, so obviously my favorite uh, is chasing Winter Chrome up in the OP." Love the podcast and looking forward to the live announcement tonight. There you go. Thanks, Cooper, for checking in and uh, giving us some love here. And I love that you noted the live announcement, which we always do for all of our events. We're doing a giveaway. That's the number one way you can find out if you won. And uh, and we've just noted recently, this is awesome because even with all the spammers out there and people trying to get a hold of your email and do some shady stuff you know that the only way to find out the winner on all these events we do is the live announcement that I do and that's a lot of funny ways because we always uh, not only chat with uh, one of our gurus but we also um, we also have some fun and give away some bonus products. so another good reason. so if you haven't checked out one of those live events that's a good way and you can connect with me and you can actually uh, see my face if you're interested in that and see what I look like instead of just listening to the voice here and uh and i hope to see you on that next live event we've got a big trip coming up right around the corner um, i'm going to take a quick peek right now just to know exactly when this is going live so yes so this is next week so this is the primer right now dan he's going to be their guide team but this year we're not only we going to have dan and chagrin river outfitters but we're going to be heading over to new york with a double whammy and uh, we're hooking up with rick and he's got some of his own fly shops up there as well so that's right around the corner. Steelhead Week, Steelhead Week East, Steelhead Alley Week is coming up, and this is next week. So stay tuned for that. You can actually head over right now, wetflyswing.com slash School right now, and you can check that out. And if you enter your name there, you'll get a follow-up email from us, and I'll let you know if there's any availability. This one's going to go fast. We already have a number of people who expressed interest in this, so we're launching Steelhead Alley Week next week. We're going to have a bunch of great bonus episodes as well, so um, so this is a good one. And Chagrin, Dan, and his crew are the reason why we're doing it. I hope you are having a good morning, a good afternoon, or good evening. And we appreciate you for stopping in today to check out the show. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.